Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Uh, whether you're catching the show live or in archive, um, again, welcome to everyone joining me for my show today. Um, after the shows, they always go to archive, so you can always kind of backlog and catch a past show uh, in case you kind of caught in halfway or, or just we're not able to get here during the live shows. All right. So uh, we are happily beginning the fall season, autumn, and uh, I'm very happy to say that living here in Phoenix, I'm especially grateful after a very hot summer. And, uh, and you know, the air conditioning in my condo basically kicks on when it's hot, like every 10 minutes. So whatever I'm doing, like radio shows or sessions, I have this sort of loud AC in the background. So a little frustrating. Uh, it's kind of nice when the weather cools down for, for multiple reasons, uh, not to mention the uh, electric bill on top of it going down. Uh, anyway, so let me tell you a little bit about myself real quick here, and then we're going to dive into uh, this month's column, which is a new one. Uh, my name, again, is Jim Ventura. I am a professional astrologer and navigational consultant. Uh, I work with a number of different types of oracles, uh, obviously astrology, numerology, runestones, tarot cards. Uh, mastered many of these things over the years. Uh, I do personal sessions here in my home office as well as by phone. Uh, information about booking a session can be found at jimventura.com. And uh, anyone interested in booking sessions, I highly recommend emailing me as the best contact point. Much easier way to go to do things like that of course. Uh, I'm also an author. Uh, I've got a couple of published books, and I do a every other month column. I've been doing for like, you know, 15 years or so uh, on blogspot.com. And uh, that's been uh, moved also over to Instagram and, um, and uh, blah, 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 YouTube as well, too, where I, I catch, uh, I'm able to do some live reads over there, too. The great thing about keeping the radio show is after I read the column, I can take a little time to go into a little bit more discussion about the uh, subject we're getting into. So um, while I appreciate the enthusiasm of callers I see waiting in my call box here, um, I'm going to read a column um, that's going to take a bit and then do a bit of a discussion. I may be able to take a caller to uh, toward the end of the show. It's only a 45-minute show, so not really sure if I'm going to get to live calls today. Um, I'll see, like I said, at the end whether I can. Uh, and, and please always, those have to be kind of geared towards the subject at hand. Um, I don't really, I generally don't do many readings on air anymore. Um, you know, I just find that it, it, for the listeners, it's not as interesting. Very interesting for the person calling, of course. <laughs> I understand that. But for the listeners, uh, you really get not typically as interesting. So I uh, hope everyone can get understand that. So anyway, if you're patient enough, like I said, I might be able to grab a call to toward the end of the show. But again, that's going to be a bit of a while before we get toward that aspect of it because I want to do the column read first. Okay. So uh, this, again, is a new column. Uh, this uh, subject has been brewing kind of for a long time. I had wanted to write about it. And the column is called Nice to Meet You Again for the First Time. Okay, so let's dive in with the column here. Uh, growing up in the suburb of Long Island in the late 70s and 80s was very fortunate. 
Uh, our neighborhood had some permanent human fixtures and always a revolving door of new neighbors coming in. More often than not, the new arrivals had kids. My friends and I would curiously size up their belongings as they were unloaded from the moving trucks, but also look to see if the new, uh, if the new kids were in our age bracket. Sometimes they were just annoying babies, if a surprising number were around our age. We would decide how, if at all friendly, we would become with the newbies. The ones we did become friends with were, of course, brand new faces, but familiar in some ways, too. The quick bonds that often formed were a bit remarkable. It was like they were meant to be there, but we didn't consciously think about how or why they showed up. It required little effort and mostly enthusiasm and excitement to introduce the new kids to the neighborhood. We inevitably filled them in on the cool neighbors, the crazy ones, the ones to watch out for, and what we did for fun. Sometimes they would just become an extension of the group we already had, and other times they would take the role for a while of one of our best friends. This might create some turmoil, even jealousy for previous best friends you had less time for or discarded in the process. But it was just part of shifting loyalties. For me, this was generally focused on who was the most fun and who I was attracted to in one way or another. Same pattern was part of my school years from elementary school through college. The placement of someone next to you in homeroom, in gym class, or in any class for that matter, was at times a quick opening of doors. Sometimes initially began with having a little crush on your new friends, and at times it was even reciprocal, most notably for me, and I suspect much of the population in general. It actually didn't matter whether the individual was male or female. It was rarely about actual sexual contact, especially in the preteen years, and more about an unexplained connection. The reality of human beings having some elements of natural bisexual tendencies or platonic feelings that are still notably fervent is even more clear when we're younger. We tend to over-sexualize these aspects of our reality and see it through a limited lens versus the true multi-layered aspects of why we're drawn to people. Chemistry goes far beyond such simplicities as just sexual attraction and often includes being asexual but still having an intense love for another person. You can see this so clearly when two 11-year-olds are best friends, whether male or male, female and female, or male to female, it can seem like they're inseparable and truly adore each other quite simply because they do. There were many silly childhood song taunts like Johnny and Mary sitting in a tray, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes little Johnny in a baby carriage. This same joke or variations of it were based on a lack of understanding of our human need to have a close partner. Similar components were often used to both find really close same-sex relationships as well. When we move out of our teens and become older, we tend to use creative descriptive words like bromance. I saw this instant poll of meant to be friends at different restaurants I worked in in my late teens, 20s, and into my early 30s. So young men and women, and once my best friend for years when I was 20 was a 43-year-old woman that I were immediately drawn to. We would sneak away on a break or decide to meet for lunch or a drink after work. And this would happen very quickly. This magnetic pull for me was triggered on occasion at the gyms I worked out in, events I attended, clubs I was part of, and other unique places. This process, while always different, still had a thread of noticeable patterning. It felt like you were attempting to rapidly fill each other in on your lives so far. Often you would find similarities or even extreme disparities that you were equally excited by. 
where the affinity was just for a few weeks, months, or even years. There were often instant glue. Sometimes the chemistry was always common. You may or may not have actually have found the person attractive, but the urge to hang out was always strong. For me, many of the people I was drawn to, I almost had an instant respect for and or were just simply appealing to be around. And most important for me was they got my weird sense of humor and sometimes matched it. When you step back and analyze this process, it is truly astonishing and clearly simply not by chance. The way the universe, God, spirit, or whatever one term may one, prefer, one may prefer, orchestrates family moves, school changes, the pull to be at the same restaurant or office or gym, etc., is unquestionably magical. When I left New York in my mid-20s, I left a fairly close family, a group of friends, and my sense of security behind. It was scary, but I still knew I needed to make the change. For a number of reasons, I needed to do this. Some reasons were immediately obvious and others became clear later on. The apartment complex, the gym I joined, along with new restaurant job, brought a whole new group of friends and even family to me rapidly. I would inevitably create a support group in just a few months. And while they were technically new faces, many were quite familiar to me as well. I personally see no contradiction in this seeming duality. What is actually happening when we meet brand new people that are new in one way but oddly familiar or just seem to fit perfectly at the time? There are a number of ways to look at this. One is karmic bonds. We begin to understand that we do indeed reincarnate and have many lifetimes as we evolve, learn, and grow. We're bound to have souls we've been with before. They may be in different bodies and in different times and places, yet the pull of essence is familiar. We may know some souls as friends in one lifetime, enemies in another, part of the same family as parents, child, coworkers on projects, or even romantically. This can explain the familiarity and the urge to be around them again. We're rarely conscious of the specific reasons, but we're pulled just the same. This can also account for the very common pull of feeling like there's a rush to seemingly catch up with each other. Outside of family configurations, body type attraction, whether sexual or just that we feel comfortable with another person, it's often a pull to reconnect. A belief in reincarnation or a lack of belief has little to do with this process. Another valid point of view may be just compatible astrology, wiring or overleaves. It's a quote from the Michael teachings, by the way, overleaves. May be drawn to others because they reflect a similar level of current evolution or soul age. The experience can be viewed as meeting, meetings directed by your higher self to help each other to complete some positive karmic interaction. In some cases, it may also be a not-so-positive or even uncomfortable karmic exchange. Another point of view is the instant familiarity because of a future version of yourself in this lifetime will be with this individual soul, and you're making, in a sense, basically an attempt to reach back in time, directing you to each other, making sure you actually meet. This explanation gets into the very true nature of time and how in some ways it can be viewed from the perspective that all time is actually simultaneous yet experienced sequentially. Some of these ideas or all of them can be accurate, but what they all share in common is the need to connect and to validate the contact. Some of more intense meetings may be planned between lifetimes before we're physically born. Again, the complexity of what drives this is at times hard to fully understand. Fortunately, we don't have to. Uh, we don't need to understand uh, the process for it to work. In a similar way, we don't have to focus on all the actions required to make your heartbeat or any of our organs work. The universe handles the intricate details of meetings and connections beautifully as well. 
I think many of us are led to believe that if a relationship, whether friendship, working one, romantic, or otherwise, goes sour or ends, it has somehow failed. Listen, nothing could be further from the truth. Every individual we meet, however long or brief, impacts who we are. Maybe they help us reflect aspects of what is best in them and bring those excellent parts more into play in our own lives. Maybe they are inevitably difficult teachers who show us something reflected in ourselves that we may need to let go of. Or they may even uncomfortably teach us what to not let ourselves become. Often in many of our affiliations over time, we inevitably drift apart for any number of reasons. At times, previously appealing relationships may end in unexpected uh, ways or even ugly ways. Even if we had a good vibe or were inseparable for years, we may change or drift apart. We simply just outgrow the need to be together. Some relationships go through breakups and occasionally may even reunite again. And other times, the relationship has served its purpose, needs to come to an end, if further contact may prove unwise. The Viking runestone of fertility, also known as Inga's, speaks of this aspect. Quote, you may now be required to free yourself from a rut, a habit, or relationship, from some deep cultural or behavioral pattern, some activity that was quite profitable self you are now leaving behind. All of our associations have value. When any partnership comes to an end, for whatever the reason, it's the idea that it all went wrong somehow that can cause us pain. Focusing on the amazing aspects of how it came together, whether it's whatever its value was, even a brief, places us back in a wiser and more positive perspective. And by allowing the next and maybe even better connections to never to show up, is where both both wisdom and excitement just like the place we had when we were children, keep the game eternally fun. All right, so that is, this is kind of a long one. Uh, a lot of stuff I had to pack into this, obviously. And uh, so, but I, again, wanted to kind of cover uh, as much as I could on this topic, because there really is a lot to it. So let me kind of run through a little bit of this in just a little bit more detail as I kind of said in the piece. You know, I was really blessed to have kind of a, a really good childhood. Um, as a writer, I've written about that. Trust me, I had my challenges, difficulties. But as I said, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood with kids around my own age, three, four years older, two, three years younger, you know, with groups of friends, um, very neighborhoody. Um, <laughs> that's not actually a word, but you can kind of follow me on that. Um, so I had lots of friends when, when I was a kid. And, yeah, people, new, ki- new kids moved in, new families moved in. They moved out. Um, same thing, process continued, as I said, when I went to school, you know, uh, the different friends I had. Um, some of them lasted for years. Some of them were briefer and short. But as I kind of talked about in the piece, it's interesting when you look at it because, you know, when you think about best friends you've had, people you've become close to, business partners, certainly in the more extreme of a romantic relationship, looking about how it actually came together is pretty amazing uh, that you met. I think a lot of this has worked out in the dream state and in other places. Um, in the Michael teachings, um, I often refer to the idea of it being vector points, where you plan, so to speak, at kind of another level, uh, sleeping level, other ways to meet. You may miss that meeting and then reconfigure that. But, again, it, it is pretty fascinating to see how that process works. 
uh, and uh, it's cool because it works. You know, you put your intention out to the universe, and it brings you ultimately what you need or sometimes not what you like, what you need, by the way, for growth and for evolution. And often that is in the form of people that we, we interact with. And as I kind of said in the piece, you know, it can be a bummer when a best friend or a close companion or lover or, you know, someone you were very um, intently connected to breaks apart away from us. Um, that can be tough. Uh, you know, I, I talked about this, if you, anyone follows my column, um, I talked about this during the COVID years. There was a lot of um, friendship breaks and various things that went on during that time. I mean, I think it always goes on. A lot of it was heightened because of extremes and political points of view and how people perceived the way you were meant to handle that particular thing that was going on in society. And uh, people got kind of militant. Um, I, was, uh, I dealt with this myself. A uh, 20-year friendship with a, a couple that I was really in a lot of ways was, was uncle to their kids, very much a part of their family for years. Um, you know, she, uh, my, my, my best friend's wife, kind of was not comfortable with my take on the, my perception of how to handle that period in time and, and pushed me out of their family. Um, that was rough. But, uh, you know, that's not, while extreme, that's not the first time I've been through something like that where someone pushed me out of their life in that way. Um, you know, again, it's rough. You know, I think that the uncomfortable part I'm bringing up, it, again, does occur for all of us in different ways. But sometimes it's just that people move away or you change jobs or you, you know, you have this ideal that as friends you're still going to stay connected when you work together. But, you know, when one moves away, it sounds great in theory that you're going to stay friends. Often that can drift apart. Often sometimes close friendships that you have may marry or partner and the new partner doesn't want you being part of the picture or that, you know, the relationship can feel uncomfortable to you also. I mean, there's all kinds of variations to it that we all go through. But like I said in the piece, I think that we have to kind of ride with that wave in that way uh, because, you know, I think everyone affects us in some way um, in, in terms of, again, our evolution as, as people. You know, another point I had made in this is, you know, I think people sometimes get a little uncomfortable with the subject you know, I pointed out that there can be a little bit of a bisexuality that can exist, especially even more notable among younger people. And again, just for lack of better way of words, um, it's not, again, generally as a general thumb, obviously true 10-year-olds are not sexually attracted. That's kind of weird. That's not really in your wheelhouse so much yet. But what I mean by that is, have you ever, like, seen two 11, 12-year-old girls or two male best friends or sometimes male and female at that age and how amazingly inseparable they are where they're just totally, totally obsessively in sync? Um, I think this is pre-romantic relationship, but it's that, you know, fascination with the other, the, the best friend. And I think for, for many of us, even as you went into college, you may have had a college roommate that you were best friends with or couldn't stand or made friends with that way as well, too. And the intensity of that, again, is, is less relevant sexually um, and just more about, again, being drawn to someone, as I mentioned in the piece, which may be often karmic ties. You know, and so the bisexuality part is just more that wiring of human beings to be drawn to each other. 
you know, I, I always say this, like, you know, listen, a man can be, a woman could be 100% straight in that way, but, like, sometimes you'll catch, like, a, a man that uh, he's obsessed with a certain sport and has a hero um, that he adores, and he knows all the statistics about that person and, and how well he did and what happened that year when he played and, and his scores and everything about that person. You know, he may know more about that individual than he does his wife. <laughs> that doesn't mean that he wants to be sexually active with that individual. You know what I mean? But there is an element, again, and that's what I mean about the, the human wiring being bisexual in that way, that that's not really the, you know, something as strange as it sounds. Um, it's just more that we, we're just drawn to different types of people. Listen, if you're a woman and you hate all men, you know, there's, an, there's something that's out of balance in that, too. Even if you're purely a lesbian woman that's attracted to women, you know, in the normal world, you're going to have male friends or brothers or, you know, coworkers and people that, that you adore, you know, and vice versa. This is just, to me, this is normal. I just think that we get a little kind of weird in our society about how we look at that concept. So getting back to the piece here and, and what I was getting into, uh, what, I, what I find most fascinating about all of this is, again, that the universe kind of works this out. It brings people into our space. Again, I think the suffering part is when it falls apart or when it breaks or when it separates, we have that kind of feeling sometimes of that person maybe never loved us or never cared about us or how could they do that to us. But we listen, we shift and we grow and we evolve in, in different ways. And, and sometimes we, we outgrow people or vice versa. We just maybe, you know, at one point where we intersected and had so much commonality and connectedness, and later on, for lots of different reasons, we just are not on the same page, and we may then kind of, of drift apart for that reason. You know, I purposely put that rune quote in there. And by the way, let me kind of – the runes are one of the oracles that I work with, certainly for myself, but with clients when I do personal sessions, and they're wonderful, Viking rune stones. Uh, I also teach classes on that, by the way. Um, and, you know, I, I've always, you know, the, the quotes in the runic book by a man named Ralph Blum, who did these interpretations, you can find many different uh, authors who interpret runes, but I, I particularly was always drawn to Ralph Blum's interpretations. I think they were some of the strongest. Um, when I, when I, I read that quote in the piece, I'm going to read it again because it's brief and it's quick. Uh, I thought, I thought, I always thought that this was really, really powerful and a brilliant way of putting this. Let me reread that, that quick quote here from the rune. It's called uh, Inga's. It's the eighth rune, and it is the rune of fertility, by the way. Um, brief quote from the rune. He says, you may be now, excuse me, you may now be required to free yourself from a rut, habit, or relationship, cultural or behavioral pattern, some activity that was quite proper to the self you're leaving behind. Not a lot of words, but really short, sweet, and brilliant. So, again, what he's saying in that request is, again, you may have to free yourself from person, habit, things that you did. And when he says um, a behavioral pattern or some deep cultural theme, what he means is if you go, you move away from something you used to do or care about, that doesn't mean the thing you did before was wrong. 
I think we have a tendency to do that, that if we go through a breakup, uh, again, with friendship or a romantic relationship, you know, it's that, oh, why did I waste my time? He or she never really loved me, all these things. No, listen, you may have really loved each other in your own way, but, you, again, you may have outgrown each other, and that then becomes the next thing you're supposed to do, which is to move away from it. I think we, we have a tendency sometimes to really keep looking back in dismay at, you know, what went wrong and did I screw up or was I not lovable enough or was I not good enough or, you know, all these things that can, that can roll around in our consciousness. And this is, again, that great reminder that there are absolute times when you are meant to step away from something. You know, I always use this as a perfect example, a uh, real personal story. I have never, I haven't had, I'm lucky enough to have not been in very abusive relationships in my life for a lot of different reasons. Many people are. Uh, I have been in relationships in my early 20s where I accepted some emotional coldness and felt that was love. So, you know, that was something I worked through in my late 20s and my early 30s, and that had a lot to do with my mother being somewhat emotionally cold. But I never really had uh, someone that was abusive to me, like in a physical or verbal way, in an extreme way, um, except I did. When I was about 24, 25, I briefly lived with a friend of mine that I actually moved from New York to Arizona with, and um, he, he was a mess. Um, the law, legal, very difficult childhood, addiction issues. And I had it in my head I was going to help him reboot his life and start over again and, and move in a positive direction. Well, he did not. I wrote about that in, in my first book, Dirty Little Secrets, 20 years ago, about what I went through with that. But what I always pointed out is, weirdly enough, um, I remember once, like before it all went to hell in a handbasket and when everything came crashing down and I realized how problematic this individual was, um, we were play wrestling, you know, at one point um, when I was still living in New York and he was living with me and we were just playing around and laughing and kind of play wrestling and he punched me in the face, in the eye. And I ended up having a black eye. He immediately felt bad, and he apologized, and you know, and you know what I mean. And I was just like, you know, I was like, I, what threw me was I had I did not grow up with any form of physical abuse. It was not part of my childhood or my experience. My parents did not discipline us that way. My mother would get emotionally cold or punish us. You know, you have to go to your room or something. But we were not hit. It was not part of our reality. So I had no concept of of someone loving you, hitting you in that way. Now, he did. He had dealt with some severe abuse. So I remember when he, he punched me in the eye, um, I was just shocked by it. And I had to lie to people about it and say, oh, you know, it was, uh, I fell and it was just an accidental thing. And no, I think he meant to punch me. And it was just a black guy that went away in a day or two. But I have to tell you, as bad as that was, and it was bad, because that really threw me. Um, it kind of served a purpose because never again after that in my life did I ever let someone do something like that to me. The moment I see someone that's abusive, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like that, that, you know, it was such a negative thing, but it was such a big turning point for me in that way that, you know, I felt better of, of myself to allow that. Now, this is not in any way judging other people who deal with long, extreme 
dynamics of abusive relationship. Uh, you know, everyone goes through different stuff, and however long it takes you to heal or move through that, that's exactly um, right for you. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to judge anybody about that. But ultimately, um, that was kind of like my wake-up in that sense. So I don't look at that relationship, however bad it was, and it was bad, <laughs> putting it mildly, as a mistake on my part. You know, I have an incredible ability to to perceive or or, or you know to uh, to know when an abusive person is around me very quickly, and I just don't engage. Good luck, God bless. Go do that somewhere else. I'm not having it. So it, it's kind of served a purpose. So use this very personal story for a reason to kind of suggest to everybody. You know, even if you've gone through the difficulty with people, again, it has served some type of purpose in your evolution. Now, if you go further with that and get into the concept of karma, listen, let, without, there's a lot to discuss with karma, but let me give you the simple version. Um, listen, you, you may have positive karma with someone where they come into your life and you did good things for them in another lifetime, another time and place, and now they're there to repay that karmic debt. We call that philopanthric karma is wonderful, although you, sometimes people are resistant to take the help. Um, and then for a lot of us, we may have some really terrible karmic things where we deal with some type of abuse or difficulty or problems. You know, if you understand the concept of karma, you realize that you're not being punished. That's what karma is. You're experiencing something from the other side, something that you, you, you know, if you experience, so for instance, let me give you a quick example of this that way. If you were, um, if you were, say, had a lifetime where you were a criminal and you were a thief and you stole from your family or you hurt people in some way, you might then reincarnate in a family where your child or someone is like that and then treats you that way. Again, not out of punishment, just out of, a, out of almost a sense of balance where now you're experiencing from both sides. The beauty of that karmic evolution is once experienced from both sides and both angles, then you could potentially excuse it from your experience being neither the victim or the victimizer anymore. That's kind of part of something that is part of our, our evolution. So over a series of lifetimes. Now, if you don't believe in reincarnation, that, that's cool. Again, as I kind of joked in the piece, I kind of think that's irrelevant. Uh, it's like similar when people don't believe in astrology. I'm always like, listen, it's not a religion or a philosophy, it's a mathematical viewpoint of, of human behavior. Um, not believing in it does not change the effects of astrology, and, but um, you don't have to believe in it to live a lifetime happily and comfortably and joyfully. And that's silly. You know what I mean? You, you just don't have to. But we are still affected by astrological influences, although much misinterpretation among that as well, too, on, on what that may be. But... Again, the point I'm making in all of this is I think it's really key to understand that there are no mistakes that way. Listen, a mistake can be staying in something long past its due point and, and ultimately suffering. But, again, going back to what I said, the piece of joy and the beauty of all of it is when you do let go of something that no longer worked. You know, you might have a vacuum period where you have nothing, you know, in play, but eventually um, – you may also then bring in someone over time who is a, a much more positive, you know, uplifting individual or more in sync with who you are now. So we kind of have to trust that process in that way. Uh, 
so, you know, it, it's tough because sometimes within the vacuum, you know, of not having, say you have an, a relationship that ended up not having someone, you could be lonely, sad, and fear you're never going to meet anybody or make new friends or make new connections. But ultimately, yeah, we're meant to, uh, especially when we get out of our own way and, and ultimately allow it to occur. And again, that's the good news. You don't have to know how to meet someone, how to make those connections. You know, we become very much a digital society where even in terms of like relationships, people are looking at apps and other ways of meeting people. Listen, that's legitimate. You know, you can meet someone through an app, although lots of liars <laughs> on, on some of those apps do, of course. But listen, I'm, I'm, I'm older. I'm kind of old school. I mean, want to meet people, you know, join a club, do different events, uh, go to a bar, a restaurant, you know, go to a fair, go join a gym, be out and about in the world and talk to people. I mean, that's one of the best ways to get a vibe on people and, and make connections in the first place. You know, I'm, I'm kind of lucky that way. Again, I think it had a lot to do with my childhood and just having so many people in and out of my life that way. And then also being a Sagittarius sun sign. So like, I'm pretty good at, at chatting with people and being friendly, even if they're different. Like I find that interesting versus that being um, difficult for me. I always joke about that even when I go to Vegas and I'm playing video poker and smoking a cigar, it's uh, I talk to a lot of people around me and, and chat with all different types of people. And sometimes, like, you know, if I go to Vegas two or three months later, I may see that same person again. And they're like, oh, my God, dude, how are you doing? And, I mean, again, it, it's somewhat easier for me, I guess, because I'm not that shy in that context. And then I have a Libra move. So place those things together, and it's going to make that a little easier. For other people, it's a little more difficult. But ultimately, I think that, um, you know, again, you have to just kind of stay open to that process. Okay. Um, all right. I covered a lot of what I was going to do. I see one incredibly persevering person that stayed on the phone. So I'm actually going to take one. I think we get one phone call in. I'm going to get 10 more minutes to the show, but let's see if I can uh, chat with this person here. Hold on, let me see if I can figure out how to do this. It's been a while. All right, oh, 203. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for – you really hung in there. Thank you for a well, while. It, uh, it's, it's very interesting. And, um, you know, I thought, well, if he calls me, I'm just going to, you know, say, you know, the, the typical, duh, what do you think of this person that I'm in love with? But I've been single okay, for right. 20 I've been single for 25 years. Wow. Absolutely, right. not, yeah. absolutely not attracted to men. And about a year and a half ago, I said, um, okay, I'm ready for a relationship. And I actually wondered, how will I ever be attracted to them? And how would I want to live with them? Anyway, I am absolutely smitten by someone that is pro- will probably never work. Clearly, it's karmic, soulmate, whatever, whatever it is. Right. Clearly. Two days we were friends, and a week later we were trying to hide the fact that we were attracted to each other. And and I'm 12 years older, and I'm 70, and that's all uncomfortable, and we probably just should be friends. And uh, two different worlds. My goodness, this man grew up in the projects, and I grew up entitled, but, you know, a horrible life. And so I'm trying to get him to understand you know, such extremes can also, you know, really suffer. And anyway, Beth, what do you have to say to that? Okay. So, all right. So that's great. Because they were like, because you're right in alignment with the subject. 
So that's good for yeah. me. I don't, yeah. I don't mind when we kind of stay on task. Because sometimes people just kind yeah. of want many readings and they said it's boring. But no, yeah. yours is right in alignment with what we're discussing. So you're right on. That's so no problem. Okay. A couple of comments on this. Okay. First thing I'd say is I think this is always very key. You ever kind of notice that, like, if you're single for a really, really long time and you have that one part of you that's like, oh, my God, I've been single forever. Like, I'm never even going to be able to be with someone at this point, you know, like, you know, and, like, you can – I think it's interesting how we view it because you may be sad about it at one level. But another level, it may also be part of your karmic growth and evolution to have a period of being alone where you get comfortable oh, yeah. with who you are as a person. Absolutely. So it's like, yeah. in some way, it's almost like you may really have been choosing that in some way. And really, in a weird way, you know, you may be more brave than you know. Because I always tell people, think of it from two angles. One, listen, the deep truth is we're all going to end up alone anyway. And what I mean by yeah. that is you come into this world alone and you will die alone. Unless you are going to be with your mate and have like a mutual heart attack sitting in a rocking chair together. You know, yeah. <laughs> at 94. And some people have that experience, but most of us don't. So if you're with someone for, say, seven, eight, ten years and they die and you never had any alone time, that's unbelievably poignantly painful yeah. because you just don't know how to be that. So that's the good news. You, you know how to be alone, okay? So you, you may have done good. Again, this may yeah. be in something part of your own karmic evolution as well, too. But what I would say in relation to your current situation interestingly enough, is, again, I think when you really kind of got clear with yourself in some way and made a decision, someone kind of slipped through the universal cracks, okay? And yeah. there may be some issues or some themes with that, but you can definitely know that it's karmic, meaning yeah. that there's some connection where you know each other from before. Again, you don't have to consciously know what those connections are, although you might have a little glimmer right. of those. Yeah. Um, but know that that was kind of meant to be. And what I would say is, look at it from this perspective. It may also be that, you know, you've been going through a process of evolving in terms of recognizing your value. And that's yeah. kind of the key to it. The more you value yourself, the more likely you're going to bring someone to you who also values themselves too, in a way. Okay, yeah. So, I think if you if you have someone that you're dealing with that's struggling, you know, and a little back and forth, yeah. I think you, you said that. Um, is this a male? It's a it's male. A male right? um, okay. It's a male. Um, he's not struggling. I'm seeing this relationship as kind of sad, and I don't think it's going to go anywhere. But somewhere, you know, it doesn't have to be forever. Right. Okay. So, right. So he, yeah. So, okay. So let me give you, let me give you some, some suggestion on this. I feel like the first thing I would say is I think that wherever it goes, there's going to be value to it, no matter what. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Cause I think you're touching each other and affecting each other one way or another. The feeling that I'm getting just intuitively is it's almost like what I'm kind of hearing in my head. And that's just the way my weird brain works. And I'll tell you, this is, your whole goal was to go in this in a way where you were drawn and interested, but detached at the same time. And as weirdly contradictory as that sounds, I feel like because you have an awareness that it may not work out, um, that's partly from past life configurations where it didn't, by the way, yeah. and somewhat yeah. soul memory. 
and some interconnection from this own lifetime of some other factors that I think you're perceiving there. But the feeling that I'm getting is I'm not, I'm not convinced that this doesn't move forward. I keep hearing it may be stages of connectedness and pullback for a little bit. Um, yeah. But I, no matter what, um, it's like, it feels like a breakthrough to me in a really big way because I think that, again, no matter where it goes, I think it's almost like, it feels like to me you were like almost sort of shocked by your own manifestation skills. Yeah. Like, like, like it just threw you that you were able to do this. I mean, do you find him very attractive? Oh, my God. I'm in love with him. I'm giddy. Yeah. And, and having not had relationships for 25 years, I'm really, really, excuse me, but really, really stupid. I haven't gone through all the things that you work out and experience and, right. and angst over blah. And, um, you know, a lot of people, when I call Blog Talk Radio, say, they they say what you say, and then others say, what you know, whatever. So I'm trying to look at it carefully because my heart is really being affected. And this guy, he's just so from a different world. Um, right. I don't even, yeah, he's just not conscious. It's part of the draw, right, because it's so, it, it, it's so different. I it literally just going somewhat through a similar thing myself without getting into detail on it. But let me, let me tell you just what my, my perceptions are. I do. I think this was kind of meant to be. I think you kind of broke through a barrier in a really positive way. Mm-hmm. And what I think okay. you need to hear in all of this is relax. You got this. Meaning <laughs> you, you, you may feel really, really dumb. But here's the thing I was jokingly tell all people. Listen, everybody's dumb. You know, I think when we realize that we relax a little bit, I was, I was just joking with a client about that recently about, I think we think that the world is full of brain surgeons and we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, uh, trust right. me, that's not the case. I mean, same thing, yeah. like when you're away from being sexual for a long time and intimate it is, you feel like you're an idiot, you don't know what you're doing, you know what I mean? And you have to kind of get on that yeah. bicycle, so to speak, and ride again. But here's the good news. Sometimes that's the very reason someone's attracted to you. Because there's a part of you that's like a little girl, again. Yeah. And yeah. That, that may be what he's literally drawn to, the fact that yeah. you have that freshness about you. We always just assume everyone else is so much, like, more sexually experienced or romantic experienced. And I'm telling you, everyone is just walking around with blindfolds on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so my, my advice is, um, I think, relax into this to see where this goes. I feel like there's some um, some kind of ups and downs along the way, but – what I'm kind of just hearing intuitively is this was kind of meant to be. Um, And that's what it is. You just have to kind of get out of your own way and let things go where it's supposed to go. And you guys are also saying to me, like, you're safe. Okay. You're safe. He he didn't come to hurt you. You know what I mean? And you wouldn't get hurt anyway. You're too smart. You know, you are. You're too smart. It's the thing from different worlds. Right. I want to uh, thank you for that. And I also want to say, when you talked about Rhett twice, and I love, I have that Runes book. Um, he's, he is wonderful. I'm so glad when I Googled it that you were talking about the one that I have, the same book. Um, when you right. talked about Rhett, it just really hit me. This has totally got me out of a rut in a positive way. It has opened me up to another world, another culture that I, out of habit, out of experiences, whatever, I was basically pretty shut down and now all of a sudden yeah. i love this culture listen, it, exactly and you know what let me, let me put you this way you know i, I said this once uh 
some years ago to a number of people. I've been like head over heels in love five times in my life. Some of those wow. lasted for a little while. Some were brief, you know what I mean, and then disappeared. I got to tell you something. This is what I always tell people. I'm 58 years old. If I never fall in love again and never have an intimate relationship, which I highly doubt, by the way, that I, I won't, but even if that's the case, I'd rather have five times in my life of amazing chemistry and being in love in an intense way than how many people are just in relationships because they don't want to be alone. I have to respond to that. Yeah, I have to respond to that. This guy keeps saying marriage never again, never again, never again. And I'm thinking, wow, if I did fall in love with someone, I probably wouldn't want to get married either. He doesn't know how similar we are. But I unconditionally was in love at 18. And out of my heart, I had to send him away. And it took me so long to get over that. It was just incredible. Now, how many years later, good Lord, I'm 70, I feel unconditional love. Oh, my God, is that wonderful to know that again. Yeah, and and, and that's part of what – that's part of unconsciously. No, no, you're okay. Literally, I never would have agreed with you until now when I'm wiser right. and I've been ministered from a pastor and healed my heart, and now I can, I can agree with you. Absolutely. And I yeah, love you. Know, just, yeah, you know I what? At, I, I, I'll let you look this up on your own, but I pulled a rune, and it came up the rune of breakthrough to God for this okay. video. All right. So you, you'll Thanks. know what to do. <laughs> Okay. Thank you so much. Today I just discovered you, so I'll be looking for you again. I, thank you, and I'll I'll keep listening. All right. Excellent. You have a great weekend and uh, good okay. chatting. Thanks for bringing that up. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Let me hang up here if I can. There we go. All right. Okay. So that was a great call. Thank you so much for, for joining us with that. Again, you really stayed within the, the topic, and I think you added some really great insight for the listeners who will follow through in the archive to uh, so many with similar experiences as you. I had a lot as well, so glad to hear that opened up. I think that's awesome. All right, so that's it for today's show. Uh, again, time goes by really, really fast. Um, some of my columns are not quite as long as this one, <laughs> but this was a long one, so that kind of took a bit of the time. But it just it was, and trust me, I cut a lot of more material out of that that I could have added, as short as I could be. You can see it's such an interesting subject for so many people. So, uh, okay, guys, so um, I'll be back again in a month. I've got a real interesting show coming up in November where I'm going to have uh, a personal trainer and, an, and a, an herbalist on as well, and I'll be able to take some calls during that show. We're calling it kind of the trifecta of healing. Uh, that I'll have that scheduled. Um, if you're not already getting my newsletter, email me at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com so you can get the column sent directly to you, blind copied, by the way, so you never get any uh, any sales crap or I'll never pass on your number to anybody ever, uh, your email address, by the way. I've never done that and I never will. And also, like, check out my YouTube channel at uh, J Single Letter Ventura Snake Oil. Um, I do monthly videos there. And uh, my Instagram is astrology, and I'm being introduced runes to my Instagram channel um, at Ventura Words. And uh, my TikTok channel is Animal Speaks where I do animal totem videos. Uh, that one's pretty popular. So, uh, again, thanks for joining me today, whether you're live or in archive, and information about my services can be found at jimventure.com. Happy start to the fall for everyone, my favorite season of all. 
Until next time, uh, cheers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.